Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to 2021, and welcome back to the Northboro Church of Christ YouTube channel. We are just about wrapping up our series in the book of Genesis, and want to encourage you to begin reading the book of Exodus. We'll be beginning a, we will be beginning a sermon series on that book. It's really a natural progression from Genesis to go right into Exodus. At this point in our series, we're in Genesis 46, and we find Jacob getting ready to leave the promised land. He's getting ready to start on a new adventure, a new phase in his life. If you can recall all of the history from, uh, in Jacob's life up to this point, there's been turmoil, there's been deceit on his own part, there's been deceit done to him by his uncle Laban. Uh, there's been his uh, vision of the ladder and Jacob's ladder where God has promised to multiply him and make him a great nation. And then he goes up to Padanaram, right, to find a wife, right? And he comes back with two uh, and he settles in Bethel and God comes to him again. And then there's turmoil with his boys and Simeon and Levi and Judah and his daughter Dinah and when you think about all that has occurred in Jacob's life and the promise that God has made to his grandfather, Abraham, to give the land that he is dwelling in, in the land of Canaan, to his descendants after him and to make him a great nation. How do you think Jacob was feeling knowing that he was going to leave the promised land? And that's where we pick up our story in Genesis 46, and I'm going to start reading in verse 1. Genesis 46 and verse 1. So Israel set out with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here I am. He said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also surely bring you up again, and Joseph will close your eyes. Beersheba is the southernmost point in the land of Canaan. And Jacob stops there to offer sacrifices to God. Jacob wants to be pleasing to the Lord. But he also has this fear. Maybe not knowing. Maybe not knowing if it's the right thing to do. Maybe not knowing what's going to happen to him and, and his 70, uh, which he's going to bring down with him, his family. So God says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And he offers sacrifices to God. And Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice, didn't he? He offered the greatest sacrifice that one could ever offer, an offering up of himself. And not just offering up of himself by his own choice, but offering up a perfect sacrifice. He was pleasing to God. And then this new year, I, I hope that as we've turned the page on 2020, on the calendar at least, that we could remember that there are certain things that aren't ever going to change. And there are certain things that are consistent and good. And the gospel's one of them. 
And Christ's sacrifice, there's no other sacrifice that's going to come after will ever, that will ever match what Jesus was able to accomplish on the cross for your sin and mine. Isaiah describes it this way, <clears throat> starting in verse 1, Isaiah 53, 1. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hide their face. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. And he goes on and continues in verse 4. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. By his wounds and by his scourging, we are healed. What a blessing it is to be in Christ. To know that he has offered the greatest sacrifice that could ever be offered on behalf of man. On behalf of the entire world. And God was so well pleased because he offered himself freely. In verse 6, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us, of us all to fall on him. Go down to verse 10, we see that the Lord was pleased to crush him, to crush his own son. Why? But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief, if he would render himself as a guilt offering. He will see his offspring, he will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. God was pleased to crush his own son on your behalf and mine. And Jesus was pleased to offer himself as a sacrifice for our sin. It's pleasing to God. And so as we see Joseph and Jacob and his 12 sons Jacob offering this sacrifice just before he's about to leave the promised land. Understand that Jesus Christ gave a sacrifice so that we could enter the promised land. So that we could enter into glory with God. And that we can praise him for that even in the new year. But maybe Jacob had something else on his mind. Imagine all the things that are running through his head. But God, you told me that you were going to give me this land, the land of Canaan. There was nothing about Egypt. Oh, but then he remembers possibly what Abraham was told, his grandfather. In Genesis 15, maybe he's got this running through his mind. Starting in verse 12. <clears throat> now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And behold, terror and great darkness fell upon him. God said to Abram, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. 
but I will also judge the nation whom they will serve. And afterward, they will come out with many possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You will be buried at a good old age. Then in the fourth generation, they will return here for the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. Maybe Jacob had this in his mind. Well, God has told Abraham, my, my grandfather, that my people would be enslaved 400 years. Is, is this really how it's going to happen? Me? Bringing my family down into Egypt? You understand, there's a famine still. There's all of the other foreign peoples in the land of Canaan. God in his wisdom knows that there's a chance that Jacob's family could be intermingled with all of those people and take on those foreign gods and defile the seed. And God will have none of that. God has a plan for his people. And we see it unfolding in the life of Jacob here in Genesis 46. And yes, God did say to Abraham and Abram at the time that his people would be slaves to a foreign people for 400 years. And maybe Jacob has that on his mind. Slaves? We don't always look at ourselves as slaves, do we? I mean, we've never been owned by anyone. Can you imagine? There's some people who have been owned by other humans. Imagine that. And yet the Bible tells us that we were or are slaves. Slaves to what? Slaves to sin. Either we were or we are still. And the difference is Christ. In John chapter 8, we see this in verse 34, John 8, 34. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. Friend, have you ever considered yourself a slave of sin? And that's the description, that's the picture that Jesus gives these people he's talking to. And it's also true of those who are not in Christ. You are a slave to sin. And you may say, well, I'm doing what I want. Well, yeah, you're doing what you want, but you're enslaved by what you want. And Jesus says, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. That's become one of my favorite verses. If the son makes you free, then you are free indeed. See, there's no other way to be free from sin except through Christ. And so as much as the years change and the months change and the days change, Christ stays the same. His sacrifice paid the price. Jude comes and tells the church that he's uh, delivered the faith once and for all. Right? Contend for the faith that's been brought down to us once and for all. But we were slaves. Either we were or we still are. And the difference is Christ. In Romans chapter 6, 
Paul explains it this way, starting in verse 6. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Well, how do we die? Obedience to the gospel. So we were buried with him. We were buried with Christ through baptism so that we might die to sin and be raised to walk in newness of life. Jacob may have been struggling with that thought. But there were also other things that he could look forward to back in Genesis 46. And even in the promise given to Abraham that, yes, they would be enslaved 400 years, but God would bring them back again. God would bring them back again. But he also had the promise of being made into a great nation back in Genesis 46. Notice this in verse, verses 2 and 3. God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. He said, I am God. I am your strength. The God of your father, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. Wow, what a promise. <laughs> Quite ironic, though. I'll make you a great nation in Egypt. You say, well, how does that work, God? And sometimes... We don't know everything that God knows, do we? God may have a little bit more insight on his plan and his will more than we do sometimes. And we see the wisdom of God in this whole movement of Israel into Egypt. And even before that, the wisdom to use the evil of Joseph's brothers to send Joseph ahead of his family to preserve them because of the famine. Oh, the wisdom of God. So I will make you a great nation in Egypt, but you got to go. You ever had a decision to make like that? You're not quite sure if it's the right thing to do, the right path to go. You've, you've come to this fork and you can go either way, but you want to make the right decision. You don't know which way would be the right decision. Consider, is it sinful? Is the, the, to go left, is that sinful? To go right, is that sinful? If it's not, pick one through prayer through trusting and, and aligning the decision with the word of God as best as we can and go for it. If it's not sinful, it's not going to be displeasing to the Lord, but we just need to go and do. And jo Jacob is in the middle of one of those forks, you could say, but he's going. He's left his land. He's taken up all that is his and he's on his way, but he is a little fearful. But we can trust that God can use the decisions that we make. And I pray that the decisions that you make in 2021 will be aligned as best as they can 
to the word of God. And I pray that for myself too. And come what may, we know that we'll be pleasing to him and that he'll work all things together for good. Right? To those that love him and to those who are called. The promises for Jacob and he will be made a great nation in Egypt. <laughs> but we're part of a nation. We're part of that nation of Israel. We, we've talked about this uh, uh, last year. <laughs> How Christ is a king. And you might remember the sermon about tearing down statues. And we said that God has torn down the statue and has established his kingdom that will never fall. Well, we are a part of the great nation and we see the working of God and telling Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he would establish them as a nation. Why? To bring the Christ. And Christ would establish his kingdom and he has the church. And if you are in Christ and you are in the church and you are part of the nation, be thankful. That's a privilege. That's a privileged position. And I know the word privilege has a lot of connotation to it now, but I'm not going to be ashamed and you don't need to be ashamed either to say that I am privileged to be in the kingdom of Christ. Praise the Lord. So a great nation, Jacob. <laughs> but he also has the promise of God being with him, doesn't he? He says in verse 4 of Genesis 46, I will go down with you to Egypt. God's going to be with him. And brothers and sisters, we have the same promise. We have the same promise that God will be with us. Jesus came in the flesh. I mean, that's what Emmanuel means, doesn't it? Matthew chapter 1, we have the, the birth of Christ written for us in the gospel of Matthew. And it says, Emmanuel, you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus Christ did come in the flesh. He became like us. God with us. But then we also have the promise that he will be with us even now, even after his death, burial, and resurrection and ascension. And he will be with us even now until he returns again to take us home. You say, well, where is that promise? Hebrews chapter 4. This isn't the only passage of scripture, but I just want to bring this one up in Hebrews 4. Starting in verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Christ can feel what we feel. Christ can sympathize with the areas that we are weak in. Praise the Lord for that. Have you ever met somebody that just is so unsympathetic they they are just hard and callous and they don't care and they have no emotion where well, our god our 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 savior is not like that he can sympathize with our weaknesses he was one of us and then it says but one who has been tempted in all things as we are 
yet without sin. Jesus Christ never sinned, not one time. Not even in his mind. And yet he can sympathize with the trials and temptations that we go through. He is with us. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. See, we're never alone, brothers and sisters. We may think we are. We may feel that we are. But if we cling to the truth and the promises of God's word, we know just by this one passage that we're not. We're not alone heading into 2021. We've never really been in Christ, have we? And we may think we are. Satan might uh, tempt us to believe that we are, but we never really are. And then we sin against God. We come crawling and, and begging, humbly asking for forgiveness. And what does John tell us? We've been studying First John. Is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness if we confess. But then he has the promise of, Jacob has the promise of being brought out of Egypt. And we know because we have the history that Jacob ends up dying in Egypt. But he know, we know that he also gets brought out of Egypt. And his bones get brought up out of Egypt. And to me, that's, that's a, a, a resurrection in some way. Not that Jacob resurrected physically, but he was brought back up out of slavery, out of Egypt, back into the promised land. And Jesus is the great slave freer. He really is. He, he is... You think about uh, Abraham Lincoln uh, passing and signing the uh, Emancipation Proclamation. Yeah, Abraham Lincoln had something to do with freeing slaves in America. But Jesus Christ, he signed with his own blood a covenant so that all who believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, he freed anyone who would come to him from not just being a slave to another human, but being a slave to sin, which ultimately would bring about physical and spiritual death, separation from God from all eternity. Jesus has solved the slave issue. I'm talking spiritually. And if all of us, uh, all of humanity would abide by the teachings of Christ, there wouldn't be slavery. Not as we know it in America, not as we know it in other parts of the world in different forms of slavery, but freedom from sin. And that's a blessing, brothers and sisters. I pray that we understand the privilege and blessing and just tremendous 
goodness that has been brought into our life because of the sacrifice of Christ. It, it's, it's, un, it's, 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 it's amazing. The Christ is the great slave freer. And God is the great slave freer of his people, Israel. And he uses Moses and Aaron and, and wonderful, wonderful plagues that we'll see as we study the book of uh, Exodus. And then he also, Jacob also then has the promise of seeing Joseph. The son that he thought was dead and has been dead for a little over 20 years, he has a promise from God that he would see him again. And we look at what happens when Jacob does see him back in Genesis 46, starting in verse 28. Now he sent Judah before him to Joseph to point out the way before him to Goshen. And they came into the land of Goshen. Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father, Israel. Now it's been over 20 years. And Jacob all this time has thought that his son is dead. Remember, Jacob's sons, his other sons, brought back Joseph's tunic drenched in goat's blood. And now he's going into Egypt and he's able to lay eyes on his son. And Joseph is able to lay eyes on his father after 20 years. As soon as he appeared before him, he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a long time. And then Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die since I have seen your face, that you are still alive. <laughs> you figure you want to spend some time with your son you haven't seen in 20 years. And Jacob's just like, okay, it's, it, this is it now. I'm ready to go. <laughs> we have a promise too. John tells us in 1 John 3 that we'll see Christ. And we don't know as of yet what he will be or what he will look like, but we, will, we know that we will be like him, for we will see him just as he is. And I, I want to read that. It's 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Now you can say, well, Joseph uh, at least was able to see Jacob before they were separated. I've never been able to see Jesus. So how much more 
should we, when we see Christ, grab his neck and kiss on him and love him and stay close to him and cling to him for a long time. It says that Joseph did just that when he saw his father. He fell on his neck and wept on his neck a long time. (laughs) Won't it be enough? Now, Jacob, he said, now I'm ready to die. But in our eyes, we may say, I'm glad I get to spend eternal life with you, Jesus. It is enough to be in your presence. I can't wait. Well, Judah shows the way. That's interesting, and I'm not trying to teach that there's any prophecy here, but Jacob does ask Judah to show the way to Egypt. And really, if you consider all of the whole context of what's going on here, God is establishing a kingdom with 70 people. A promise that he's made to Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob. And he's going to use Egypt in the land of Goshen to preserve a nation going in at 70 people and that will leave around 2 million. To bring in the lion, the tribe of Judah. So Judah leads the way. It's interesting that we see that the Egyptians loathed shepherds. There's different theories and different commentators that have different ideas. And uh, I don't know if any one of them really land on one certain spot. Some say that uh, sheep and certain animals that shepherds tended were considered as holy to the Egyptians, although we don't see any plagues regarding that. I guess we do as far as um, some of the livestock. So I guess we do see that. Um, So that could be a reason why the Egyptians didn't like shepherds, but we don't know why, really. The text doesn't tell us. And Joseph says, when uh, Pharaoh comes to you, tell him that you're shepherds, that you're bringing your livestock, and that's what you've been ever since you've known uh, work. So that's what they do. And at the end of chapter 46, the writer of Genesis, Moses, tells us that the Egyptians loathe shepherds. The lion, the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter 5, he was able to open the seal. It's also called a good shepherd in John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, starting in verse 11, Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. 
I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as my Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd. Chief shepherd. And there is no reason for anyone to loathe him. He's laid down his life for the sheep. You and me. So let us not be like the Egyptians. And for whatever reason, they did not like shepherds. But we have every reason to love our shepherd. Because he's a good shepherd. Jacob heads down, descends into Egypt. He's really breaking new ground, if you will. Heading into a new phase of his existence. And he's a little unsure. As we go into 2021, there may be some things that we're unsure about. Maybe heading into a new phase of life, a new direction, whatever it may be. But we can know that there are certain things that are sure. That Jesus Christ has offered himself as a sacrifice. And it is pleasing to God. Through that, we know and believe that we were slaves of sin. And because of the cross of Christ, we can be free from it. We can also understand and believe that we're still in the great nation. The kingdom of God. And we can also believe and have the promise that God will be with us. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us Jesus can sympathize with our weaknesses. He's endured every temptation as we have yet without sin. Think about that one. And we can have confidence to go through the throne of grace to find help in time of need. Mercy. We have the promise of seeing Christ just as he is one day. And the excitement that overwhelmed Joseph in seeing his father in over 20 years. Our excitement for seeing in seeing our Lord and Savior for the first time ever. What joy. And over, maybe it would be just so full of tears because of the overwhelming presence of Christ. And we can also know that God is working his plan through Jacob. Judah leads the way to Egypt and Jesus Christ is a lion of the tribe of Judah. And all of this working is leading up to Christ coming into the world. And that he's the good shepherd because he's laid down his life for the sheep. You and me. So I hope that you're excited about this new year. I hope that you're excited about the Northboro Church and, and what God has planned for us and our desire is to be led by him and his spirit and his word. And brothers and sisters, let's work together, all right? Let's work together to be that pillar of truth, to be that bride of Christ, to be unified, to be all that we can be in 2021. Trusting in him, trusting in his promises. God bless you. And thank you for listening. Take care.